Before we get started, I'm excited to share that I have a new free training called How to Launch a Podcast in 60 Days Without Feeling Overwhelmed. I'll help you cut your production time in half and start a high-quality podcast without any complicated tech or confusing editing tools. If you're even a little bit curious about starting your own podcast, I'm going to share three of the biggest mistakes I see new podcast hosts keep making, and I'll walk you through my step-by-step podcast launch system, which hundreds of Wit & Wire students have used to launch their podcasts. Learn more and save your spot at witandwire.com slash register. Welcome to the Wit & Wire podcast, where we help podcast hosts climb the charts, turn a profit, and make an impact. I'm your host, Melissa Guller. And in each episode, we share simple tips and creative strategies to help you create a binge-worthy podcast that listeners love. Welcome back, podcasters. I'm Melissa, and today I can't wait to introduce you to Jacqueline INJ, the host of From Urban to Ag. Jacqueline is a one-woman show, quite literally. She's a doctoral student outside of running her podcast, and she's here today to find new strategies to make her overall podcast production process take less time without sacrificing the quality of her show. And although outsourcing is a great option for many hosts and one I definitely recommend if it makes sense for you, today we're going to focus more on saving time, doing less, scaling back, and streamlining your overall workflow so you can spend more time doing what you love most, which is creating great episodes for your listeners. Now let's say hello and meet today's Wit & Wire podcaster. My name is Jacqueline. I am a doctoral student at the University of Florida, but originally from California, the Bay Area. And my podcast is called From Urban to Ag. And I came up with this idea because I'm from a very urban area, San Francisco. Um, I grew up you know, in the city. I didn't have a lot of connections to food production, but got interested in it in my college career, uh, started studying it, fell in love with it. And I wanted to share that experience with others. I wanted other people to have that experience of being able to ask questions about food and animals and the environment in a safe environment. At the time of our recording, Jacqueline had been podcasting for about a year, which is a huge accomplishment. And I had to ask her, is there anything that she wished she had done differently or that she had known when she first got started? I will say that I wish I'd had a couple interviews recorded and some content ready to go so I could be more consistent in the beginning than me, you know, week to week struggling to find content. She also made a few really smart adjustments to her posting schedule as she went along. I publish episodes bi-weekly. That was helpful for me. I just couldn't give the time commitment to weekly episodes, but I learned at least from my listeners, being in a routine, even if it isn't as frequent, is better than nothing, you know? And then the only other thing that I really recommend is having a break between seasons to get all my content. So what I did before I came back with my second season in June, I recorded at least 10 interviews before the first one was published. Um, But then when I started my season, all I had to do was take that content and run with it. I didn't have to be scrambling with scheduling and whatnot. So that'd be my recommendation is kind of setting aside that time to do a lot of that legwork ahead of time. I love this advice from Jacqueline and I couldn't agree more. I think it's so helpful to not only batch your content and record a good amount ahead of the game, but also I'm often asked, how long does it take to launch a podcast? And my answer is, it depends. And it's not just because it's an unsatisfying answer, but to me, it depends not only on how quickly you want to move, but also on how many episodes you want to have at least recorded, if not fully finished, before you launch. 
I am in the business of helping people launch high-quality, long-term podcasts. So to me, taking a couple of extra weeks before your podcast launches to really set yourself up for success with a few additional recordings is so smart. But with that in mind, if you are a brand new podcaster and you haven't launched yet, or even if you're in your early phases, Jacqueline actually had one more really amazing tip that I wanted to share if you are considering doing batch recordings. Make sure you edit your first interview before you record your second, because I learned so much by listening back to how I facilitated an interview. I learned so much listening back to those beginning interviews that I could then change and improve upon my ability to host and navigate an episode. So that would be like my one other little tidbit in there is take those learning opportunities before you get too far into it. Now, at this point, Jacqueline and I were ready to dive into the coaching part of our conversation. And her question is something that I have a feeling a lot of you will relate to. Podcasting isn't my full-time job. It's not most people's full-time gig, if you want to call it that. And it's just me. I don't have a co-host. I don't have a team helping me with any pieces of like the social media or marketing it or editing. So I really want to do more with my podcast, but in order to do that, I need help figuring out how to manage my time best because it does take a lot of time to successfully complete all those components, to have good editing, good marketing before, during, and after you're launching new episodes. So what is your advice to make it more efficient as far as time management and where to spend most of my time? I think it's a great question because especially if you start to feel like there's this overwhelm of things to do, that's probably where podcasters lose steam or potentially stop before they've even really had a chance to get the podcast off the ground. And before we start kind of chatting through some tips, are you definitely thinking that you want to maintain your status as the one woman show quite literally, or are you considering outsourcing any parts of production? You know, that is an excellent question. As of right now, I am planning on season three being so just me hosting Um, I don't feel like I have the resources to outsource some of the behind the scenes work of editing and marketing just because it would take money. Now, if my podcast was making money and I could hire someone to help with those components, I would, but I just don't think I'm in a position right now to bring on more people. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And it's a tricky balance, I think, because we're always spending something. We're either choosing to spend time or to spend money. Mm -hmm. But I really do want to focus on advice that we can offer that doesn't require you to outsource. Like I think outsourcing is really great. And depending on what your goals are as a podcaster, I think for some people, it's absolutely the right decision. But for today, I think what we can do instead is ask what makes the most of your time, which is I think what your question comes down to is what are the things that are worth spending time on? Where can we streamline? And maybe there are some things that you don't need to be doing, but perhaps feel like you should be doing. That sounds great. Let's start by focusing on marketing, and maybe if we have time, we'll circle back to production. But I imagine a lot of listeners also have questions around how to spend time marketing, what makes a difference, and maybe for each individual, it'll be a little bit different. So I do want to give a little bit of a disclaimer that I think the advice that we come up with may be different for you than it is for everybody tuning in, because I think a big part of marketing is understanding who your listener is and where they are. So who is listening to your podcast? So my target audience was urban consumers of food and products that come from agriculture. But my unintended audience is I have a lot of graduate students or undergraduate students who are from a similar field as me tuning in. 
Um, I have a lot of teachers and educators that are using my podcast in their classrooms. And lastly, producers, so agricultural producers listen in. Interesting. So that's really helpful to know that you do have pretty different, I would say, audience members because we'll probably want to think about them separately. Also, can you tell us what are you currently doing to market your podcast? Yes. So currently, the From Urban to Ag podcast, um, I have a website, uh, which I know I do not fully utilize to its potential. Um, I have a blog. I have an Instagram account, which is probably where I'm most consistent, a Facebook page, a Facebook group, and a Twitter. And week to week when you have maybe a new episode that comes out, how is your time being spent? Like once the episode is published, do you have some kind of workflow currently? I have a system. I It's not the perfect system, but I'm not creating my graphics for Instagram until after the episode is published, which is not ideal, uh, but it's just the timeline I'm on right now. So normally I have some preset graphics that I use, three of them for each episode, and then one has like a quote, one has a video component to it, and those will normally go out the week following an episode telling people that it's available, um, go listen, check the link in my bio, and then between episodes, I've been trying to add in other content, like not specific to the tracks themselves, but it's also been hard to like have new content constantly coming in that I can use on that page that is different than my personal branding and my personal pages content. Sharing past episode content is something that not many podcasters are doing, but when I see a few who are using that strategy, I think it's really effective. Kind of like you said, when you're between seasons, there's so much rich content from any of your interviews. Like I'm sure there are things like resources that could be recommended or guest quotes or pieces of advice. There's just so much that could be turned easily into something as simple as an Instagram quote post. And I think the misconception is that the week your episode goes live is like the only week you talk about that episode ever. Yeah. So maybe something that you could start doing is as you're prepping an episode to go out, you don't have to create all the content at once, but maybe you think about, oh, okay, here are a few ideas, a handful of ideas, maybe even up to 10 that you could at some point put out on social media. I'm talking a bullet list, not actually making all of them at once, but the reason I'm saying you could do it as the episodes are being released is just because of recency. Like I know two weeks after an episode goes live, I already forgot what's in it, no matter how wonderful the episode was because I'm just constantly thinking forward. So to me, the best time for me to take notes that end up being show notes or end up being social media posts is actually right after I do the recording while it's fresh in my mind. I'm the same way. Once it's edited and published, two weeks later, I don't remember what was in it. But if I take a bullet list or pull out the quotes that I need as I'm listening through it and editing, that would save a lot of time so I don't have to go back and re-listen to it, try to find something that's worthy of sharing next. So I think that's that's great advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I think different people keep track of notes in different ways. But something that still honestly stresses me out a little, but I have a better system, is just having a dedicated place where I put ideas. I've used different notes apps on my phone. For some people, keeping it in a notebook. Others maybe putting cards in Trello or Asana or Notion. Like It doesn't matter if it's a digital or a written method, but just designating a place in your life, like a running note or a project board where you just put ideas, I think can be a huge help because that way you know they're all in one place for safekeeping for later. 
instead of having, you know, some notes here and some things written and some post-its on the wall and then some things in email just in a saved folder because I think it's harder to recall that info. So maybe as like a tangible recommendation, just deciding like where do you keep all of your ideas and what kind of system could work for you. I know on top of social media and just kind of coming up with content ideas, we have more in marketing than just social media. So what are some of the other marketing channels that maybe we could talk about? So I have not been putting transcripts of my episodes on my blog. What's the etiquette in going back now to maybe previous seasons and how would you go about catching up and providing those? I think it's most important to add them going forward. I think it's always great to go back and update them. So for anybody who already has published episodes to go back and add transcripts, I think is always good. Like it's it's never too late to add transcripts is what I'll say. But probably easiest is to focus on your next episode and move forward. But if it's helpful, there's kind of two options when it comes to transcription. There's a third option, which none of you should do, which is to transcribe your own podcasts. Only if you have a very scripted podcast, maybe it's already handled. But generally, the two options, and one of them is free, is to use an AI, an artificial intelligence online internet bot, which can transcribe your episode for you for free. I use a tool called Otter. I'll put a link in the show notes. What I like about Otter is that even though it's not 100% perfect, it still gets kind of like... 80% of the way there. And then I just go in and I change the spelling of my guest name and of their business, the most important parts. And then I'm kind of fine if there are small typos or mislabeled words in the transcript. I don't mind. The other option is to pay for human transcription through companies that offer like a dollar or a dollar 25 per minute. You can see how that adds up pretty quickly, but obviously the quality is much higher. So I'm guessing for you, the Otter route would be perfectly fine. Yeah, that sounds great. And I'll definitely have to look into that and start thinking about how I'm going to incorporate it going forward. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. The other thing about transcripts is that it's kind of tempting to put them into a downloadable PDF. And a lot of podcasters did used to do that. But if you put it in a PDF, then you don't get the benefit of Google being able to read it. So that's why people do paste it right on the page. And there are some options that can help make your transcripts look nicer and not so long. And I'll put links to all of those in the show notes too. But I did want to just add on that I don't necessarily recommend creating a PDF because not only is it extra work, but it's also not as Google friendly. I'm I'm already looking forward to the show notes. I'm going to have to visit and look at all these links. (laughs) I think maybe another topic we haven't gotten to are newsletters. Is that something that you're currently doing? You know, I was just thinking about this the other day. I am currently paying for a subscription to, I think it's called Flowdesk. That's what I wanted to use to send out newsletters. I have not actually sent any. I think, I guess I'll just explain some of the reasons that I've been hesitant. Maybe other people can relate. I know other people use them. I know they're useful. Uh, I was worried that I wouldn't know what to put in them. You know, even if I only sent it out once a month, I was worried about what content I would include to keep them you know, new and relevant other than just like, oh, these are the two episodes that came out, you know? Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that because I do think that email marketing is this kind of like mystery black hole world for a lot of people. And it sounds really intimidating. Flowdesk is a great tool. I do admittedly have a partner link. I'll put it in the show notes if anybody wants to check it out. But with any email service provider, no matter which one you use, I think starting with even a monthly newsletter 
is a great place to start. You can include links to your podcast episodes, and you definitely should, because even your most devoted listeners may have missed one of them. So I think you might be surprised to see how many people do use those email reminders to tune into your podcast. Like, I don't know about you, but I, of course, check my email every day. It's a huge part of running my life and business. And so when things come into my inbox, it's sometimes a better reminder than seeing a notification on my phone. And I think depending on the topic, you could include other sections too. Like for you, maybe it's articles that you've read that you've been really enjoying or a recommended product or service. If you had your own products or services to sell, you could mention them in those emails too. But for you, I don't think that's necessarily a fit. But what are some other, maybe if we were to brainstorm, do you have any other ideas about just things that maybe you're already talking about in some of the episodes that you could just call out in the email content? Yeah. I mean, now that you mentioned that, that's such a great, I thought that all the content in my newsletter had to be pieces I created. But the fact that you said like articles I've read, I think that's fantastic. Or I could have a section on like current news, like current events in the industries that I've been covering or highlight upcoming topics. If ideally I know my upcoming speakers, so I can start doing that or giving links to some of their work. I have show notes where I'll normally give links to like some pieces they've written or their like farms website. So I guess I could even include that information that I already am collecting and put it into a newsletter. I love that idea. What I found with my email list is that it's a really great place to solicit feedback. So I'll put out surveys and that helps me decide on future podcast content or future course content. So every so often you could invite listeners to simply reply to the email to say, you know, what was your favorite part of this week's episode? Or you could say, I'm planning next month's content. What kind of topics do you want to hear about? And people will actually reply to emails and then that can build a nice relationship with your listeners too. That's fantastic. I, I want you to know that I'm having to contain myself and not take notes as, as we're speaking. Um, but I know I'm already going to have to listen back to this episode and make sure I didn't miss any of this because this has been so, so helpful. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear. Um, you mentioned feedback, engaging with your listeners. Have you seen any of these different social media and marketing strategies comparing you know, Instagram, your newsletter, um, maybe a Facebook page versus a Facebook group? Um, what have you seen is the best way to kind of get that two-way communication with your listeners to make sure you're giving them the content that they need and they want? That's a great question. In terms of engagement, I like that you called that out specifically because some platforms lend themselves better to engagement than others. For example, Pinterest is not a platform that people often think of when it comes to marketing a podcast, but it is the number one organic channel for traffic for Wit & Wire. And for a lot of podcasters, it could be a great chance to get your content out there. But it's not what I would describe as an engagement channel, right? It's more of a search engine. It's a way to learn. On the other hand, Instagram, I think, is a great place to engage with listeners, to prompt in your stories for them to chat with you and to really get a sense of what people are liking and what they're responding to on your podcast. At the same time, it's not necessarily the best channel to get them to actually go listen immediately to an episode because Instagram is pretty insular. They don't allow links in your description and they're really trying to keep you inside of their app, which is probably a topic for another day. But I think the thing with Instagram and probably also to a different degree, Twitter and Facebook groups is that they do invite conversation. And if you start to build a relationship with listeners, they will find your podcast. Like they will see that you talk about it. They'll see the link in your bio and they will become hopefully 
loyal fans. But any of the kind of conversation or thread-based platforms are going to be best. But when it comes to which is best for you, it'll depend on the topic. So as an example, if you were doing a leadership or a management podcast, I would never advise you to use Instagram, even though I think that's the default a lot of people assume they need to have. Mm -hmm. Instead, I would say focus completely on LinkedIn. That's where people want to see professional management advice, and you'll probably get a lot more traction on LinkedIn, and probably your guests, if you have them, are more likely to share it versus on Instagram. I'm like here for the puppies. I'm here for the quotes. You know, I'm just going to these places for different things. So. The long-winded answer is that the best place to find engagement is probably the platform that your ideal listener is using the most. Fair enough. Well, Jacqueline, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. You've asked so many great questions. And before we go, where can listeners go to learn more about you and your podcast? They can learn more about my podcast at my website, www.fromurbantoag.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook at From Urban to Ag, and uh, you can find us on pretty much all podcasting apps. A huge thank you to Jacqueline for joining, and wow, what a packed episode. I know we referenced a ton of great tools and tips, so you'll find links to everything in the show notes at witandwire.com slash 38. That said, the overall takeaway I hope you get from this episode is this. As podcasters, there are tons of strategies we're all told we should do, and a lot of them are great, but you don't have to do them all and you don't have to try them all at once. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by the process, Start by asking, what feels like it takes the most time? And then quickly follow up by saying, is this making an impact? Because if you're spending most of your time on strategies that aren't helping you connect with listeners in a meaningful way and don't contribute to better episodes, I'm guessing that there are a few things you could either stop, scale back, or even pause for now. Remember, it's not a forever decision. So do what you can with the time you have right now and save a few things for later. These strategies just begin to skate the surface on the in-depth strategies and systems I cover in our Wit & Wire programs, including our signature program for new podcasters, the Podcast Launch Accelerator. If you are interested in learning more about my methods or some of my core philosophies around starting a podcast that truly builds your authority and connects with listeners in a meaningful way, I do recommend the new free masterclass at witandwire.com slash register. It's called How to Launch a Podcast in 60 Days Without Feeling Overwhelmed. And continuing the theme of today's episode, I'll help you cut your production time in half and start a high-quality podcast without any complicated tech or confusing editing tools. Again, that URL to learn more and save your free spot is witandwire.com register. Thank you so much for joining us this week. At Wit & Wire, we help online business owners start podcasting so they can build their authority and expand their audience and their opportunities. So if you haven't already, you can check out our programs and services anytime at witandwire.com. You can also come hang out with me on Instagram at Wit and Wire, and make sure you hit the follow button in this app in case you haven't already subscribed to the show. Thank you again for joining me, Melissa Guller, in this episode of the Wit & Wire podcast. I'll see you next time.